The previous Mishnah talked about the Gemar Din when the verdict was given by Bastin. And this Mishnah comes to tell us that at any time where one of the people involved in the court case brings a proof for his side, even once the verdict has already been given, he has the ability to uproot and cancel the verdict which was given meaning that the Basin would accept a proof even once they had given the verdict, and they look into the proof and perhaps retract their decision based on whether that proof is valid or not. The mission now brings a very unusual case, which would not generally happen, but if the Basin saw a need for it, and Omulai, they told the person who was found guilty, or the person who had to pay up if it was a monetary case, they told him, any proofs which you have any evidence which you have, you need to bring within the next 30 days. And after that, that's it. They give a deadline for when he's able to bring evidence. They wouldn't generally do this, but if they saw a need for it, then they would. And therefore, if he found evidence within 30 days and he brought it to the base, then in Soyser, he would be able to uproot the verdict which has been given. But if he brings it only after 30 days, in a Soyser, he's not able to make them undo the verdict which they had given. What can this person do that he didn't find evidence within 30 days? And he only managed to find the evidence after 30 days. It's not his fault. He only found the evidence and proof 30 days later. The Basin are not able to limit the amount of time that he has to bring evidence. Now what happens if they're judging the case, the Basin, they haven't yet given the verdict, and they tell one of the people involved, Bring witnesses to testify for your side, Omar, And he told them, Amy Adim, I don't have any witnesses. I have not got any evidence or proof for my side of the argument. Omru, or if the basin told him, Hove Raya, bring some evidence or proof for your side of the argument, Omar, And he told them, Amy Raya, I have not got any proof. And later on, after the basin have begun and they've gone through part of the arguments and the proceedings of the court case, later on, Hevi Raya, the person did bring a proof, he brought some evidence, or he found some witnesses. Since originally he told the Basin very clearly that he hasn't got any evidence or witnesses, we are now suspicious and we suspect that he is lying and therefore Harry's Klum, that evidence or those witnesses would mean nothing and they wouldn't be accepted by the Basin. But once again, said, What can this person do that he didn't know that he had witnesses? And later on, he found out that actually there were people who witnessed what happened. Or he didn't know that he had evidence. Later on, he discovered that he has got some evidence or proof for his side of the argument. And so according to Mishim and Gamliel, once again, they would be accepted in this case. But what happens if Omruloi, the Basin, told the person, Hove Edim, bring witnesses to testify for your side, Omar, and he told them, Eni Edim, I have not got any witnesses. Or Hove Raya, they told them to bring a proof, Omar Eli Raya, and he told them that I haven't got any evidence. And then, Rosh Mishayv Badin, he saw that he was about to become liable in the judgment. He saw that the Basin was about to give a verdict against him, the Omar, he said, so-and-so and so-and-so and so come near and testify for me. He suddenly says, I have got witnesses. Here they are. Or he took out a proof, a piece of evidence from his money pouch, which was with him the whole time. 
Over here, even when Mishum and Gamliel agrees that Harizah ain't a klum, this means nothing because it's very clear that he is lying because if he had these things all the time, why didn't he bring them until now? It's clear that it's only because he saw that he was about to become liable that he's desperate and trying to bring some proof. But it was here the whole time and he said before that he hasn't got any proof or witnesses. So in this case, even when Mishum and Gamliel agrees that he would not be believed. The focus of this Mishnah are the differences between monetary cases and capital cases involving a potential death penalty. And Mishnah first begins with a similarity between them, both monetary cases and capital cases, which involve a potential death penalty, require Derisha and Chakira. Derisha, as we'll learn in the beginning of the next Perek, are certain basic questions which are asked in pretty much every court case. And Chakira are the, are the more specific questions specific to that individual case. So in both cases, the witnesses need to be interrogated. Shanema, as the Pesuk says, there will be one judgment for you. So we see that there is an idea of there being similarities and commonalities between all court cases. That having been said, regarding capital cases, the Torah says, the group of people, referring to the Bastin, will save the murderer. And we learn from there that when it comes to a capital case, there are many laws which are put into place as part of the Bastin's proceedings in order to avoid killing somebody in Bastin. And the Mishnah will list them now, and of course these only would apply to capital cases, and therefore this gives rise to many differences between capital cases and monetary cases. What is the difference between monetary cases, monetary judgments, and capital judgments? Firstly, as we learned in the first parak, monetary cases require only three judges, whereas capital cases require a basin of 23 judges. Second difference, in monetary cases, we open up the judgment either with the side of the argument to make the person innocent, that he doesn't need to pay, or with the side of the argument to make him pay. It doesn't matter which, how we start. However, regarding capital cases, we always need to open up with the side of the argument to say that he is innocent. In we do not open up with the side of the argument to say that he is guilty. This is learnt from Pesukim. And again, the general idea is also because to a certain extent we want to come out making him innocent and not killing him. Third difference, monetary cases are decided via a majority of one, whether the verdict which is being given is that he is guilty, that he needs to pay, or that he is innocent and he doesn't need to pay. And for capital cases, it is decided via a majority of one judge if, it's, if he's going to be innocent. So out of the 23 judges, if 12 of them say that he is innocent and 11 say that he is guilty, the verdict would be given that he is innocent. However, if he is going to be guilty, we require a majority of two judges in order to make him guilty and kill him. So it wouldn't be enough that 12 say that he is guilty and 11 say that he is innocent. Rather, there needs to be a majority of two. Difference number four. When it comes to monetary law, we learned at the end of the previous parak that even once the verdict has been given, they would return and perhaps retract that verdict if another proof was brought. 
if another argument was presented after the verdict had been given, and this has been as bin Khaiva, whether in order to exempt him or in order to obligate him, getting a fascist mass, whereas for capital cases we would retract the law, the, the verdict, in order to make him innocent, meaning if he had been pronounced guilty, then we would retract it in order to make him innocent if a new proof was given. But we would not retract the verdict in order to make him guilty. Once a verdict has been given that he is innocent, it's learnt from Pasukim that once he has been pronounced innocent, that verdict would never be retracted and he would not be killed. Difference number five, dinim momnus, monetary cases, anybody present there, even if they are not, strictly speaking, part of the base, then they're not one of the judges, rather they are the students of the judges, they are able to present arguments whether for the zuchus, to say that he is innocent, and doesn't need to pay, or to say that he is obligated. However, the Nafashais, regarding capital cases, anybody, even the students, can present arguments to say that he is innocent, but not everybody, only the judges are able to present arguments that he is guilty. Difference number six, the Nimomnus. Monetary cases Somebody who started at the beginning to present arguments to say that he is guilty is allowed to change halfway through and to present arguments that he's innocent. However, one who started presenting arguments to say that he is innocent, excuse me, he can also, when we're talking about monetary cases, somebody who started saying that he's innocent, that he doesn't need to pay, can change and say that he does. However, then in a fascist, when it comes to capital cases involving a death penalty, one who started to present arguments at the beginning of the court case to say that he is guilty is allowed to change halfway through and present arguments that he is indeed innocent. However, one who started to give arguments that he is innocent, is not able to then go back and give opposite arguments to say that he is guilty. That having been said, this is all regarding the debating and argument, arguing between the judges before the final vote and verdict is given. However, when they come to the final vote, even a judge who throughout the court case had been presenting arguments to say that he is innocent, he would be able at the time of the vote to vote whatever he decides at the end is the correct decision. Next difference, the momnus, monetary cases done in They would be judged during the day and they can be completed even during the night. If it carries on for a long time, they can even give the verdict at night time. However, the Fasha is done by Capital cases need to be judged during the daytime and the verdict needs to be given during the daytime. The reason for this is because there is a law that once the verdict has been given to kill somebody, he needs to be killed that day. Otherwise, it's not con- it's considered cruel to make him wait around for his death. So he needs to be killed that day. And therefore, the verdict cannot be given during the night time, because then it would be too long before we kill him. He needs to be killed during the daytime. That's learned from Pesukim. And therefore, the verdict also needs to be given at the day. Regarding monetary cases, they can complete that judgment on the same day or the night if it carries on, whether they are saying that he is innocent, meaning that he is exempt from paying, or if they are obligating him to pay. However, regarding capital cases, 
go and bring my yom lezchos. They can complete it on that same day, and this time before the night r- arrives, if they are saying that he is innocent. However, if they are saying that he is guilty and that he is indeed liable to the death penalty, then they, they need to wait until the next day before pronouncing him guilty, so that they really think over the entire argument, and perhaps try and think of a way of making him innocent, if there is any way of getting out of killing him. A capital case cannot be judged on Erev Shabbos or Erev Yontav, the day before Shabbos or Yontav, because that would mean that the verdict needs to be given the next day if he's going to be guilty. Now, on Shabbos and Yontav, a verdict cannot be given. Why is that? Because they're not able to kill him on Shabbos and Yom Tov, that's violating Shabbos and Yom Tov. So if they would give the verdict that day, then they would need to wait until the next day to kill him. And as we said, once the verdict has been given, he needs to be killed on that same day. Now, why can't they judge it on Friday, let's say, and in case he might be innocent? If he's innocent, they can give their verdict that day. And if not, then they'll just wait until Sunday and give the verdict on Sunday. What's wrong with that? The answer is that by the time Shabbos has passed and it's already been a day or two since they went through all of the arguments on Friday, the arguments won't be fresh in the Bastin's mind. All of the judges' minds won't be fresh on Sunday. They would have forgotten the clarity of the arguments which were given on Friday. And therefore the entire judgment needs to be started only on Sunday or on a different day of the week. And a capital case cannot be judged on Erev Shabbos or Erev Yom Tov. Mishnah Beis, the list of differences continues. And the Mishnah says, Dine HaTumais V'HaTairais, laws involving Tumma and Tara, impurity and purity, and the same applies to really any court case, including a monetary case, or other cases to permit something or to forbid something, whatever it may be. A regular court case, which is not a capital case, Maschim Nagodol, we begin from the greatest judge. Meaning, when they are debating and arguing out the case, the first person to present his argument and his opinion is the greatest one of the judges. Because one is not supposed to speak in before somebody who is greater than him. However, Dinina Foshois, when it comes to capital cases, Maschim and Atzad, they would begin from the side, from the judge who is sitting on the side of all of the judges, as we'll learn in the next Mishnah how exactly the, the judges sat. We're referring to the judge who was the least great. So he would be sitting towards the side as opposed to in the middle of the judges. Reason being that we're afraid that if the greatest judge will give his opinion, then the other ones might not state their real opinion. They'll just follow the greater judge. According to some, it could even be forbidden for them to say the opposite of the greater judge. So in capital cases, which are much more severe and serious, the lesser great judges would give their side of the argument first. And final difference between monetary cases and capital cases, the Mishnah says, Everybody is valid to be a judge to judge a monetary case, even a convert or a mumzer, somebody who was born from forbidden relations, even though for certain laws they can't necessarily be considered a fully-fledged Jew, for example, they can't marry a koyen, a mumzer can't marry a regular Jew, Nevertheless, they are fully valid to be a judge on a based in judging a monetary case. The Enakol chain on the Indian Foshais. However, not everybody is valid to judge a capital case. Ella Kranun Vimo Yisraelin. Only a Koyen Levi or Yisrael, a regular Jew, Hamasin Lakahuna, who have good lineage and would marry their daughters to Koyanim. Koyanim need to marry a regular Jew. Only somebody like that would be valid to judge a capital case in based in. And once again, this is learnt from Pesukim. 
Mishnah Gimel. How exactly would the Sanhedrin be set up? Sanhedrin The Sanhedrin was like half a round threshing floor. The threshing floor would be a round circle. So the Mishnah is saying that the basin would sit in a semicircle. They wouldn't sit in lines next to each other, rather in a semicircle. Kadeshi who reigns as there, so that all of the judges would be able to see each other whilst they are debating and arguing out the points. And this applies both to a Sanhedrin Gedoyla of 71 judges and a Sanhedrin Katana of 23 judges. And true scribes of the judges, the basin's scribes, would stand in front of them. One would stand to the right of the judges, one to the left. And they would both write the words of the people presenting the arguments to say that he is innocent, and the arguments to say that he is guilty. Each of them would write both of the ar- sides of the argument. The truth is, others explain it to mean that one of them should write one side of the argument, and the other should write the other side of the argument. It's a discussion on what exactly the intention of the Mishnah is. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, there would be three scribes, one of them would write the words of those who are saying that he is innocent, one of them would write the words of the one saying that he is guilty, so they wouldn't have too much to write, and they would make sure that it's accurate. And as well as that, there would be a third one, who would write the words of both sides of the argument, in order that they can check, they can have a double copy to make sure that all of the facts were recorded correctly, but at the same time, the other two scribes should only write one side of the argument so that they don't need to write too much and they will make sure that it is totally accurate.